0: Now, I have the very pleasure of introducing our co-speaker for today, and uh, this is going to be more of a personal introduction because not only do I greatly respect this man, but he's a friend of mine. In fact, um, our our wives met at a Bible study before we met, and so we kind of met indirectly through our our wives, but but let me uh, introduce uh, Pastor Jonathan. He has three children, uh, two boys... One girl, uh, the the eldest boy is a soccer phenom. Uh, football European style, he is amazing, and uh, I just saw him at the Palladium and he just he just tore it up. And uh, one thing about Pastor Jonathan is he makes the most amazing Naga curry. I'm telling you, I went out. He he, he invited me to his house. I ate a bowl. I ate two servings. He, I took some home, and then the next day I ate it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was that good. And I was still hungry for more. It's like this, oh, it's, it's, I, I loved it. I loved it. I, it's amazing stuff. You've got to sell that stuff. It, just, it, was, it was incredible. Uh, also about Pastor Jonathan, he's a man that has an incredible amount of energy. I don't know where it comes from, but I remember having coffee with him just a couple of days ago, and I said, it doesn't make sense for you to drink coffee, Pastor Jonathan. I'll order one, you order one, I'll drink both of ours, because you should not be drinking coffee. This, this man just has tremendous energy. I don't know where it comes from. Uh, and also another thing, uh, Pastor Jonathan has been serving homeless people for 25 years, now, I just want to point out how amazing this is because I had a really good friend who was serving homeless uh, people for two years got so burned out and he's never returned to the ministry because the just the, the needs of that ministry are so demanding. I, I don't understand how he does it for 25 years and I'm hoping to actually ask him this question but there's just something about that that is very... I think it's actually kind of a God thing, and I'm wanting you to kind of unpack that for us. Uh, We're going to show a video in a couple seconds, but prior to that, I just wanted uh, Pastor Jonathan to say some words of introduction to himself, and then you can intro the video, and then we're going to start jumping into some scripture and co-teaching, okay? But maybe you can uh, uh, give us a little introduction and say hello to the church. Good
1: morning, everyone. Pastor Andrew, thank you for the wonderful introduction that you have given uh, about me. And uh, I am uh, so pleased and honored to be here this morning with all of you. Uh, I'm originally from India, you know, from my accent, Uh, from northeastern part of India, a state called Nagaland. India is a Hindu country, the largest Hindu country. Indonesia is the largest Muslim country, right? So both in Asia. So n- when you go to the northeast part of India in a small state called Nagaland, you're going to see a huge percentage of Christians, 95%. We were head Today is a Super Bowl day. For us, was uh, dropping somebody's head was a Super Bowl. Okay. That was a trophy. I came from that kind of life. But after God sent a lot of missionaries from Europe, United States, we were introduced to Christ. Christ who transformed our life, our culture is still doing the same thing. And I'm here in this country as a missionary. I mean, my wife and my my family. So anyway, uh, I started my journey uh, in India. I worked there for five years uh, among the heroin addict. Came to the United States in '93. Joined City Team Ministries. I love this ministry. So I'm in San Francisco City Team. Anyway, uh, I'm going to take you guys to San Francisco, 6th Street. How many of you know that? Sixth Street, very uh, uh, south of the Tenderloin area. So I'm going to take you guys there so that you will know what is going on, going on there. You'll and you will appreciate and your eyes will be open, the seriousness, the conditions of homelessness in, in San Francisco. We work with the homeless people. We work with people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol. It's a long-term recovery program, so if you know anybody, you can refer to us. People who need recovery from drugs and alcohol, you can refer to us. It's a year-long program, and we result a lot of communities in different places. In fact, we are even going down to uh, Latin America. City team is operating in uh, more than 55 countries now. Here in, in this country, we have around in, uh, eight, nine cities. But overseas, we have around 55 countries. So you're going to see now how that the, the conditions of a homeless issue in San Francisco and the program that we do, what kind of program we have, uh, how, what happens to people who come to our program, you're going to see. They don't just come and uh, clean up their drugs and alcohol issue, but they come and encounter with Christ. That's why I love my job. They come and encounter with Christ, and the day that when, by the time they leave our program, they are a different person. And you're going to see one uh, a guy, a good friend of mine, uh, he's from uh, originally from the Philippines. He came to our programs, gave his life to Christ. I baptized him. Now, where is he now? He's in Warren Pack, Oakland, as a missionary. And you're going to see even his picture. So let's uh, see the picture.
2: And I try to make this kind and clear Just a chance that maybe we'll find better days Cause I don't need boxes wrapped in strings And desire and love and empty things Just a chance that maybe we'll find better days
3: So, change these words and sing out loud. Cause
0: So, Pastor Jonathan, this is yours. I'm actually giving you half of my pulpit right here. Okay. So that okay. you can put your Bible <laughs> here. Okay, we're going to be doing a little bit of co teaching. Okay. All right, let me, let me start off like this. Um, the, the mission of our church, at Christian Layman Church, um, I'm just going to tell you what it is the mission statement. It is uh, to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who do three things, who love God love other people, and serve the world, okay? Disciples of Jesus who love God, love other people, and serve the world. Now, that that's what we're doing, right? But th- there's not a lot in that, like, well, well, how does that happen? How exactly do you develop disciples who love God and, and, and love other people and, and serve the world? Now, a, a thought, an illustration came to me... Uh, yesterday night. <laughs> and uh, I, I was thinking, I, I, I've never really sh- uh, shown this illustration, but I think it's so biblically true for how do people love God, love other people, and actually change the world. And so uh, here's the illustration for you, um, if you will. Uh, we're going to do, uh, can, we, can we cut the lights? <clears throat> okay. Okay. So this is what it's like. Um, this is a bathroom mirror, <laughs> all right? Uh, it's from my neighbor from the UNs. Um, thank you, guys. Um, okay, can, can we cut the lights except for the spotlights? That would be great. Okay, so, so this is what we're um, all about. As a Christian, I don't know when you've ever thought of it, With the last time you, you, you thought of this, but as a Christian, your life is kind of like a mirror, Oh, that's that's actually your purpose. That's what you do. You're a mirror. Can you guys say, "I'm a mirror"? With me, I'm a mirror. Okay, come on. Next time with a little conviction there. I'm a mirror. Okay, this is what we do. So here, here we got the spotlight, and uh, as a mirror, I'm taking in this brilliant light. And I'm just reflecting it on Jesse now, now it's on Leslie, Milton, there's on Gordon, and Chris is getting some love, and there's Sharon, you know, there's Dana getting some, I mean, yeah, Dana's lifting his hands up, there you go, there's Maria, Maria's getting love right now, right? There's Khan, by the way, that's Khan, everyone, the light's on her, she is uh, Pastor Jonathan's wife, there we go. And you know, this is what you do as a Christian, you ever think about that? No, okay. Now, now what I mean by this is is, is twofold. Uh, Lynn doesn't like the light. Okay, the twofold thing is we take it in. Can I hear you guys say we take it in? in. Okay. Again, next time a little bit more conviction, please. Uh, We take it in. What are we taking in? We're taking in God is light, God is love, God is holy. We're taking in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is and what he did on that cross, that Jesus would die for me. We're, we're blown away by that. And so, as a result, we can't help but love God back. But we, we take in his love for us. But it doesn't stop there. We give it out. Can you guys say, give it out with some conviction?
1: Give it out. We, oh,
0: there you go. There you go. I'm liking that. We give it out doesn't just end with us. It doesn't just stop here. But we give it out. We shine it. His love. I can't believe he would give up his son for me. And as a result, I'm going to show that love to the people in my life. I'm going to be a brilliant reflection. When was the last time you thought of your life reflecting the glory, the grace, and the love of God to other people. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. And that's the main idea for what we're talking about today. And for sure it's going to intersect with Pastor Jonathan's ministry. Can you open up your Bibles with me to James chapter 1? James chapter 1. Now again, we're remembering, we're like a mirror, we're reflecting the glory and the love of God, we take it in and we give it out, we take it in and we give it out. That's what our lives are busy about, loving God, taking in his love, loving other people and and by our radical love for other people, we're changing the world, we're serving the world, that's what the Christian life is all about. Now turn with me to James chapter 1, James chapter 1 starting in verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious... Now, in our day and our age, the word religion kind of has like a bad rep, you know? But I just want you to know that James is not thinking bad religion, but good religion, okay? So when you read the religion here, it thinks good religion, okay? Uh, true spirituality, if you will. A true relationship with God, if you will. Okay, religion... If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, bridle. When do we use the word bridle? Well, you bridle a horse. Why do you bridle a horse? You bridle a horse to control it. Okay, not bridle his tongue means an uncontrolled tongue. Okay? Uncontrolled tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Okay, so you have heart you have deceived, and you have an unbridled tongue. So how does an unbridled tongue deceive? Well, if you're really taking in the glory of God, the goodness of God, then you've got to reflect it. If you don't reflect it in what you say, you're deceiving. You're not telling the truth about what you're actually taking in. Right? Okay. Uh, so that, and that makes your religion worthless, hollow, empty. You know, if you meet a person who's so negative and critical or, has, or is a gossip of other people, uh, you can't help but look at that and go, man, something's not working in your religion, you know? And that's what James is talking about here. It becomes worthless. Verse 27. Now, this is where I actually want to make a stand here. And Pastor Jonathan and I are going to make a stand on this one. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, before God the Father, is this. Okay, now get ready for this. This is religion, remember, good good religion, pure and undefiled. Okay, you ready for this? To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Can I, can I hear you guys say orphans and, orphans and widows? To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Okay, unstained from the world means to keep oneself pure, to keep oneself holy. Okay, religion that is pure and spotless is to keep my life holy, but before that, the thing coming right out the gate is to visit orphans and widows and their affliction. Orphans and widows, we can take this literally, we can take this metaphorically, but they represent people in our circle, in our community, in our society that are in need. They're in affliction. They're hurting. These are people who either are oppressed or unprotected. These are people who are not provided for. These are people who are in affliction. And I bet you we pass by them every day. I bet you there's people here in our church who are in need and in affliction. And James says, religion pure and undefiled visiting orphans and widows in their affliction. And by the way, if you if you unpack that word visiting, it's more than just hey, how are you doing, but it's really deeply caring for compassionately. Okay, now, we take this verse from James, and I just got to ask you, like, like Pastor Jonathan, d- do you agree with James? And Anyone here, like, disagree with James? No one raising their hand, which I'm, which I'm glad, because you don't, we don't want to be a church that, that disagrees with Scripture, right? You're like, how are you even asking this question? It's Scripture, you're not supposed to disagree with it. But I can imagine someone who's, like, read the Apostle Paul, like one of the epistles recently, and you're just like, what? You're reading this from James, and you're just like, I think if the Apostle Paul were here, he would probably say something a little bit different. You know, I think, I think the Apostle Paul would say, religion that's pure and undefiled is this, the, the, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You know, the person of Jesus, he's the Son of God. His work, he died on the cross, and through his death, we've been redeemed. Now, that's religion. Right? That's religion that's pure and, 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 and uh, undefiled. But, but, you know, I bet you, James, would say, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Paul, right on. But what happens after you take that in? What happens after you take that in? What's the net effect? You have to shine it out. It changes the way you relate to people. It changes how you see people. And one glorious example of that is that in any community, the people who are most hurting, the person who takes in Christ goes and loves on that person. Because that's just what Christians do. Uh, It reminds me of that quote that Pastor Dave uh, shared last week from Tim Keller. Ernie loved that quote. He emailed it to me twice. But let's go over that that, that quote from uh, from Tim Keller that I really think kind of nails what we're talking about here. When the Spirit enables us to understand what Christ has done for us, the result is a life poured out in deeds of justice and compassion for the poor. It's almost like you, you can't stop that from happening once you take in what Jesus has done for us. That is the result. Now, this is actually what Jonathan does full-time. He, he visits, he cares deeply for homeless people, and he works with them in rebuilding their lives in Christ. And so I was just uh, going to ask Pastor Jonathan if he would kind of unpack a certain story about how God's love kind of broke through to one of his men. Pastor Jonathan, tag team, you're it now.
1: You know, uh, Pastor Andrew, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, we, we see uh, orphans with us every day, even in, in, our, in, our, in our neighborhood, in our cities. City team, uh, people who come to so city teams are broken, people who are hurting, people who are struggling. Drugs and alcohols are just a of something that is going on inside their life. And I'm learning uh, after working with these people for 25 years, God is teaching me a lot. And I'm beginning to really find out that the drugs and alcohol are just a symptoms. So they come to our program, and they can just stop using drugs and alcohol. But I don't, we don't stop there we start dealing with their core issues. And I'm gonna tell you one story, Nolan. I started in San Jose City Team 10 years ago. I was here, our main office is in San Jose. I was here as a chaplain, uh, working in the rehab, and uh, one day I, I saw Nolan, African American guy, doing something that is ungodly. And Christ-like behavior. And I said, I need to hold this man accountable. Otherwise, he's not going to get better. So I said, Nolan, how, how is that helping you? I saw you doing something. How is that helping your life, your recovery? And he got mad. Got mad, and he went to my supervisor and told him and said, tell Jonathan to back off. I'm going to kill him. I'm so mad at him, all these things. So later on, uh, my supervisor on the loudspeaker just said, Jonathan, come to my office. So I just went there and said, Jonathan, I'm really concerned about your life, the safety of your life. Do you know Ron, uh, Nolan? Yeah, he's so mad at you. And just to let you know that he, uh, he's a Vietnam vet. So you better not to say anything. Just step away, even if you see ungodly behavior in him, let other staff hold him accountable, not you. I'm really concerned about you. So for 10, 15 minutes he lectured to me and uh, after that I said, are you done? He said, yes, I disagree with you. Disagreeing with your boss is uh, you're risking your life, right, your job, right? He looked at me. You no, know, why? I said, probably he's angry with me, and probably because he has the wrong information about me. Number one, I'm not Vietnamese. I'm from India. <laughs> okay, I need to clarify that with him. Secondly, I, I, I'm going to tell him, I hold you accountable because I dearly love you. I care about you. Then he looked at me and said, yeah, you have a great point. I say, I do. So I need to talk to him. So I asked our receptionist to, to call our receptionist and say, please tell Nolan to come to my office. So on last <laughs> Nolan, Jonathan needs you in his office. Oh, he came with a lot of anger. He doesn't want to even enter into my office. He just knocked the door and opened and said, what do you want? With a hand like this. I say, Nolan, I know you're upset with me, you're angry with me. I'm fully aware of that. But you're angry, upset, because you have wrong information about me. So I need your, just one minute of your time so that I can explain to you. Would you please come and sit? So with a bad attitude, he say, okay, what is that? I said, number one, I'm not Vietnamese. I'm from India. If you want to see my passport, I can show you. I say, really? Yes, I'm from India. Do you want to see my passport? I said, no, 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 I trust you. So I will clear about that. I know you were in Vietnam, Vietnam War, I know that you are having a hard time. I'm aware of that. But just to clarify that I'm not Vietnamese. Okay, I was clear about that? He said, yes. Secondly, Nolan I hold you accountable for your ungodly behavior yesterday because that's not going to help you that's not going to help your recovery I did that because I care about you I love you So let me ask you do you have a problem me loving you If you have a problem me loving you then l- I'll back off and you start crying an angry man just broke down in the office. He said, no, I have no problem. Tears just coming down. Give me a big hug. I love you. Thank you. I didn't know that you love me. Yes. I have only one goal. Here at City Team, being at City Team, that's to help you. Came all the way from India, just, just tell you the same story, the love of God that changed my life. Since then, we become a good friend. That day, I began to see the power of God's love that displays in our life. When broken people, angry people, experience the love of God, unconditional love of God, that is through you and I, They just broke down.
0: I I wanted us to kind of think about how this message interacts with our lives. So I just want you guys to think about that verse. Religion that is pure and undefiled is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Is there someone in your circle who's an orphan or a widow who's in need? You're not done yet. Come on. Is there someone that you know who's hurting, who's vulnerable,
1: who's not provided for? I have three kids. So I'm a little bit tired. I'm just kidding. <coughs> Is
0: it anyone in your family? Is it a friend? Is it on your way to work? Is it face someone on Facebook? Is it someone in our church? You know, recently, I was having a really good quiet time in my office. I'm sitting there in my office, and Lynn has really helped me make it very comfortable. I got a sofa in there, and like this little chair, and and I'm just having this great time with God, and and there's this moment where I was feeling like, God, I want to express my love to you, but but not like how I normally do, because normally I'll just be like worshiping God. I'm just, I'm just telling him that I love him back. I just want to do something a little bit different, something unique to express m- my love for you. What can I do? And suddenly, at that moment, James like popped in my mind. James is a homeless man that is like maybe a block and a half away from our work. He's always there. He's sitting on this block. I don't know what he does all day. He just sits there all day. And I, I think he has some mental illness that's happening, and I just knew, you know, the way I'm going to express my love is I'm going to walk up to James. I haven't seen him for like a good month, and just sit down with him and just say, "How are you doing, James?" And I brought him these these chocolate cherries, you know, and he. I don't know when the last time he had chocolate, he just, he just popped them in his mouth, he, he loved it, you know. I'm just like, you know, something. I'm smoking some meat, James, I'm going to bring you some on Tuesday. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll be here, I'll be here, because <laughs> he's always there, right? And I came back, and I was like, something about what just happened is biblically right. You know, God is telling me how much he loves me, I'm thinking about the cross, I'm like, I want to express my love back to God, and it's like, well, then go and express that to the homeless person this person who's in affliction and pain, because I care about him, you can express your love to me by caring for this man. Who is in your circle? Who's your James? On the way to work? In this church? Pure religion, undefiled before God, is to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Well, let's go on to the, the second part of this message. Okay, That was the first part. I guess the theme for that is orphans and widows. The second part of this message is the ministry of reconciliation. Can you guys say that with me, the ministry of reconciliation? reconciliation. You know, I read a book recently called When Helping Hurts, and this was really, um, in certain ways in my existing paradigms for how I thought about mercy ministry, it kind of really kind of shattered a lot of those paradigms and created new ones. But one of those ways that this book really helped me understand poverty better was that it broadened my understanding of what poverty is. I'm going to go through this really quickly. I'm going to go through a scripture pretty quickly, and then I'm going to ask Jonathan to unpack it again uh, in his ministry. But poverty, like as we kind of see it, is like Poverty means that there's certain people who just have no cash. They just got no cash. That's poverty. That's, very, that's a very simplistic way of seeing poverty. Poverty, at least according to this book, which I really feel is kind of very holistic and it's very biblical, poverty is the breakdown of relationships. Ever, ever thought of poverty that way? Being poor means that you are poor in relationships. That the relationships in your lives have been broken down. Okay, let me just show you this chart, and I think it will, it will kind of um, describe what I'm talking about. Okay, so each one of us is that person right in the middle, right? And we got all these relationships around us. The first and primary relationship is our relationship with God. That's the vertical, right? And then we got these relationships with uh, creation involving issues like work. And we have relationships with other. That's down below that, that, that arrow. And then we have even uh, a relationship with ourselves, like how we see ourselves. And poverty is the breakdown of all these relationships. Now, when did these relationships break down? They broke down in Genesis chapter 3, the moment that Adam and Eve took a bite of that apple. Their first and primary relationship, which was with God, broke down. But as a result, all the relationships that they have in their lives, including the relationship with each other, it broke down. The relationship with creation, their work, it broke down. The relationship with how they see themselves, that broke down. And so poverty is really the breakdown holistically of all these relationships that we have in our lives. Now, keeping that in mind, let's go to Second Corinthians And we going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We don't look at people and kind of size them up based on their resume. You know, like their education, their giftedness, their career. We don't do that. Even though we once regarded Christ as... According to the flesh, Paul at one time was like, oh yeah, Jesus of Nazareth, this carpenter who was not really, you know, uh, he was sizing up Jesus, even though he did that, we regard him thus no longer, no longer, because, you know, now Paul's eyes have been opened. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Verse 17, therefore, if any was in Christ, he's a new creation. Now, we're going through this quickly. I just want to point out, if you're in Christ, it doesn't make you just nice, it makes you new. You're a new creation. Let's go on. Now, granted, this right here could be a message, but we're going to do some fast-forwarding. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation again the ministry of reconciliation we've been given the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God for our sake he made him To be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now Paul's like, look, God has given to us this incredible ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That means that that we are ambassadors for Christ to the world around us, and we are just, like, imploring, guys, be reconciled to God through Jesus. You, You can be reconciled because Jesus is the mediator, And he made it happen. He made it possible. In verse 21, for our sake, he made him to become sin who knew no sin. Jesus was perfect, but he took our sin. He knew no sin, but God put our sin on him so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's this great exchange, and it was all available through Jesus. That's our ministry. That's our message. It's this ministry of reconciliation. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of systematic theology here, right? What is our message? Our message is be reconciled to God. It is made possible through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our message. But it's like that mirror, right? Now that we have reconciliation with God, we now have power in all those other relationships to be reconciled. Because our primary relationship with God through Jesus has been restored. We now have, it's that mirror, we're reflecting. We now have power, perspective, grace to be reconciled in all those other relationships. Relationships in our work, relationships in how we see ourselves, and relationship with other people. It's now made possible because we have the message and the ministry of reconciliation. And, you know, as I was talking to Pastor Jonathan, that's kind of what he does with homeless with, with the homeless men that he works with. Yeah. It's all about reconcil- reconcile with God. But because you have this reconciliation with God, you now have power to, to see reconciliation with other people, yeah. with how you see yourself, and uh, even with your work. But I, I've asked Pastor Jonathan to to share a story about that reconciliation process with other people, Pastor: yeah.
1: Jonathan? Absolutely, uh, Pastor Andrew, what we do as city team is a, is a work of reconciliation. Uh, originally from India, but I know India government will never appoint me as ambassador of India. I know that because I'm not the inclined to politicians. I have no idea about that. Now we are citizens of the United States. Uh, White House will never appoint me. okay but I do realize that I'm an ambassador from heaven. You are, we are all ambassadors from heaven. And every time, every day we do is the work of ambassador, work of reconciliation. And that's why I'm so excited about what I do as City Team. My wife asked me, you never complain going to work. I said, what should I complain? I talked to her about Jesus, the Bible, and again, I salary." That's a good deal, right? You talk to them all day about Jesus, the Bible, and at the end of the month, you get a salary. For talking about Jesus, I got salary. I have no complaint. I watch the guys every day in my office coming to Christ. It's not because of me. Because of God. I'm just a reflection. But we have to communicate that. As an ambassador from heaven, we need to communicate that message. People who come to our programs eventually give their life to Christ. I don't know in your church, I'm not putting you in the spot, how many times you baptize. How many people come to know the Christ in a month, in a week, in a year? For us, a city team, I can guarantee you, every week, few people come to know the Lord. Every month, every two months, we baptize so many guys. Two months ago, I baptized seven guys. Next week, I'm going to get baptized a few guys again. That's why I love my job. I have to see that every day. Rod, originally from Philippines, 35 years old, angry man, I encountered with him two years ago. When he was 12 years old, his father was uh, one of the top-ranking officers in the Philippines. His father was assassinated by one of his best friends, father's best friend, because of power, because of money. Rod has to watch his death's body dead's body, but couldn't recognize, because so many bullets in his body. Since then, as a 12 years old son, he has only one goal in his life, that is to take a revenge on that guy, the guy who killed his father. Start coming up with a plan, where to get a gun, how to do it. all this, nothing matters for him. Because he, he and his dad were very close but after a few years in the Philippines, the government said, your family needs to move needs to the to United States because your life is in danger. So they all came to the United States. And Rod has been angry with this man. That's why he started start drinking heavily. Very smart, successful man but start drinking heavily lost everything, including his wife. So he came to the city team two years ago. And I said, tell me your story. He would use a lot of F word, angry word, all these things. And then one day I look at him and said, Rod, why are you so angry? He's a handsome man. Why are you so hang- angry? Tell me your story. And he started unpacking his story. For one hour, more than one hour, and he started crying. Because he dearly loved, he's dead. And he said, "Using drugs and alcohol is not the biggest issue for me, but unforgiveness." I say that's the core issue. Okay, so you and I will work on this. So I say, "You do forgive the guy who killed your dad? He's dead." His name is Francis, but he's dead. So I said, "So, for forty three years, you have been carrying a dead body. He has been carrying a dead body. And he looked at me and said, "Yes, so when are you letting, let him go away from your life? I don't know how to do it. I said, "You need to forgive him." And he looked at me and said, Jonathan, you're crazy. You mean to forget this guy?" I said, "Rod. You reconcile with God. You give your life to Christ. We baptize you. You are a brand new person. As a brand new person in Christ, you have to start listening to Christ, what Jesus said. And one thing Jesus said to his people is to forgive our enemy, right? And for him, it just doesn't make any sense. I said, he said, "Doesn't make any sense." I said, "Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but it makes sense for God. It makes sense for God. It doesn't make sense for you, for me, for giving our enemy. But it makes sense for God." I said, "I want you to forgive your dad, I, the guy who killed your dad." So the way that we're going to do is: this is your last chance, right? I'm giving you your last chance. Try your best. I'm going to open. Put you in one office and disturb. You're gonna be there. How many, months, uh, how many hours you want to be there? You will start writing a letter to Francis. Say it, whatever you want to say. This is your best thought. I'll give your best thought. This is your last chance. Say it whatever, F word, angry word, anything. Don't spiritualize. The worst thing that we can do for Christian is we try to spiritualize, right? I want to be a human being. So he, ha- he has, has a lot of respect for me, and I respect him for that. He said, for your sake, I'm going to do it. No, 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 not for my sake, for Christ's sake. So he went uh, stayed in that whole office and uh, started writing. And, uh, several times he came out of my office and said, I couldn't do it. He cried. I couldn't do it. I said, I know that. You need to pray. I want you to pray. I'll pray for you. With the help of God, you'll be able to do it. When inside his, the office, started writing. He stayed there for four hours. Came up with seven, eight pages. And he was surprised himself. He said, I didn't know that I could write so many pages like that. I say, but at the end, you can say whatever you want to say to this guy, but at the end, one paragraph, I want you to write the, a letter of forgiveness. No, I'm not going to do this. Then you, don't, you need to throw away this. What's the use of writing all these things and not writing about the forgiveness? So, okay. So he, after he finished, he read to me and it just how many times he broke down. He cried. Pain. And at the end in one paragraph you say, Francis, I have to forgive you for killing my dad. Because and it is not easy for me, but for the sake of Christ, I'm gonna forgive you. When we encounter with God, when we reconcile with God. That's the outcome of that. Rod could be able to forgive the guy who killed his father because he reconciled first with Christ. And with that power he could able to forgive other people. Thank you.
0: I just wanna speak a few words of applying that word into our church and for those of you who are hearing. Can you guys just take a second right now? Just, I, I know we don't normally do this interactively during the message, but can you just take a second right now and just ask God if there is anyone in your life that you haven't forgiven? Like, is there, is there anyone that you know, that any, any relationship you know about where you're, you're holding a grudge against that person? Something that has not been forgiven. Is there any sort of reluctance for whatever relationship where you don't want the very, very best for them? I just just kind of ask the Holy Spirit to reveal a name or a face right now if, 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 if that's you. I just want you to remember, we are in the ministry of reconciliation. Because we've been reconciled through the death of Christ to God, we now have power actually to forgive those people who have injured us. Okay. I'll just kind of let the, the Holy Spirit continue to work on, on those issues yeah. with you guys. Now, Pastor Jonathan, can you can you come here? And I, yeah. I really no. wanted to, to, to—
1: Before I forget, oh, yes. Pastor okay. Andrew, right. and, uh, he said the last word, what he said is, uh, I say how are you doing? He said, it's just like somebody removed a big knife on my back. Yeah, yeah. Forgiveness frees forgiver. Yeah. We don't want to forgive our enemy because we, thought, we think that uh, if we forgive, we are a loser. All these things, no. They don't even know that we're resenting them, right? Mm. They don't even know that we're angry with them. They don't even know.
3: Yeah.
1: It's just like eating a, a red poison and hoping that the, those red will die.
0: Yeah.
1: Resentment is like that. And forgiveness is like that. We are the one who suffer. And that, that guy, Rod, said, I'm free. Forgiveness frees forgiver.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank, thank you, Pastor John. I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to transition towards um, a, a bit of an interview with Pastor Let me, let me just pray for okay. us. Uh, Lord, I I, I don't want to just kind of quickly move us along, even though the, I just want to make this time as rich as possible. But I I... I I do imagine that in our lives there are places of unforgiveness. And would your Holy Spirit just minister to our hearts and and not let us go until this relationship is resolved and we make it a priority. Don't let us go, Lord. Don't let us go. But help us to resolve this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Pastor John, why don't you actually you take a seat Okay. I'll stand. I just really had three questions for you. Um, this is just kind of a way to get to know you more intimately, right. uh, talk about your ministry. Now, <clears throat> can you tell us a little bit about how you were called to mercy ministry? I, 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 I just imagine that, you know, like f- for my life 24-7 and for our lives, we, we kind of live a very different life. And so there's, there's just some curiosity, like, how would you even get called to work with homeless people? How did that come about? D- tell us a little bit
1: about your story. Can you do that? You know, uh, Pastor Andrew, I went to Bible college to become a, to become a pastor like you. For some reasons, I, I, I want to be a pastor. Back home, uh, pastors, they wear nice necktie, suit, and uh, for some reason, as a kid, I probably I like that. But when I was in the Bible college on my final year, God began to call me to work with these people. And uh, when I began, began to sense God's calling in my life, I look back and I, I, I kind of I start having a heart for these people. And part of the reason is my mom influenced me a lot. My mom uh, loved orphans. Widows, poor people. I, I saw that as a young man, what my mom was uh, when uh, what, what my mom was doing with these, these kids. He would sh- she would share our food. We were very poor, but she would just share our food and just uh, share with those uh, orphans, and she would just uh, mourn with them, cry with them, and that really impacted me a lot. So yeah. mom yeah. influenced me a lot. And second one is. Uh, um, I lost my youngest brother in 2004 with AIDS. I love him, him so dearly, 27 years old. He has, uh, his wife just died two weeks ago with AIDS. And he has uh, two daughters. One has AIDS, 11 years old. And one is 12. He, she doesn't have. So my, the loss of my youngest brother was a defining moment for me. There are a lot of people who are suffering just like my younger brother. A lot of people who are dying just like my younger brother. So that's the second reason that was my defining moment to serve with these people. And God willing, I want to retire uh, with what I do. And the third one is, and the most important one is, I think my own background. I grew up in a very poor family. Uh, My mom doesn't know how to write her name, my dad doesn't know the right, and we just live just a uh, hard life, we went through a hard life, but we never go hungry, of course, and uh, when I was in grade, eighth grade, my dad said, son, I want you to stop going to school, I want you to just help me at home, just, uh, I, I cannot send you to school anymore, so I cried a lot, cried a lot, and I said, no, I want to go to school, my dad said, no, you cannot. So I went to my older brother and said, hey, uh, I am so sad that my dad said I cannot go to school. My older brother said, go, I'll help you. Wow. So that's how I continue. And after I finished my uh, high school, God asked me to go to Bible college. And I went to my dad and said, dad, uh, I'm going to Bible college. And my dad said, and what are you going to do after that? It was so upset. My dad was non-Christian in those days. And before I even answer, he said, are you going to become a pastor? (laughs) I said, probably. Then he said, do you know how much they earn? How (laughs) much pastor earn? They couldn't even uh, afford to send their kids to good school. Mm. And now here my own son is going to become a pastor. No, you cannot. Mm. I said, dad, that's okay. You know, Asian, Asian culture is very rude, right? Arguing with your mom and dad. I never argued with my dad. That was the day I stand up for my right. Mm. I said, "Dad, that's okay. I'm going. Even if you're not going to support me, I'm going. I'm going to choose God than you. Wow. I don't know where I got that. Wow. I'm going to choose God rather than you. Wow. I respect you, Dad, but this time I'm going to choose God. So I went and talked to my older brother again. We were very close, and said. Can you help me? I want to go to Bible College. My dad said, no. He said, yes, go. I have one water buffalo. In Asia, having water buffalo is just like having a tractor, right? Say so I'm going to sell this for you. Mm. You go. That's how I went to Bible College. But four years being in the Bible, Bible College, I was just couldn't able to continue so hard. And I write a letter to my older brother and say, send me some money. I couldn't pay my tisans, for my tuitions, for my men's fee, and all this. He said, I want you to be patient. Just endure hardship. I said, I'm tired of that kind of leather. Send me money. <laughs> uh, and uh, my final year, they said I wouldn't be able to finish because I'm not, I cannot be able to pay my tuition fees and all this. So I'm in a, I was in the classroom one day struggling, Lord, I want to complete this, but the school said I cannot, because I cannot pay my decent fees and all. So, one day, the uh, office, uh, uh, what do you say, uh, the one who collected the money, help me. accountant, Accountants, yes. Came to me and said, give me a receipt, and they said, hey, Jonathan, this is the receipt. I say, what kind of receipt? Well, somebody came to pay for your tuition fees. For seven months, tuition fee. And this is the receipt. I say, who is that guy? No, he's anonymous. For seven months. That's how I finished my school. I don't want to forget that. That's how my wife and I have started even a school in the village for the poor kids in 2004 or 2005. We have around 60, 70 kids in the school. I don't want to forget where I came from. I don't want to forget the compassion that I received. and I have a text here, my favorite text. I have to remind with this text every day, S- Second Corinthians chapter. Let me pull out this. Chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse three. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God comforted me. God give me compassion. I, I don't want to forget that. And what I do today is just taking that same comfort, same same compassion, and I'm just giving to people.
0: Um, Pastor Jonathan, we really have time just for one more question. Okay. Uh, really, the question is, what can we do? What what can what can our church do? Now, now one thing that we're doing is uh, we want to give. The city team a donation of ten thousand dollars and uh, and you 've told me that you 're going to fix up some uh, some bathrooms and uh, now would be a good time just to show you guys what the bathrooms look like at city team sf um, and the difference that that hopefully that money will make right um, and so th- you know it 's something it 's it's, it's one way that we can help yeah. but but um, you know e- even our series is called more than money and yeah. so you know, uh, is there any way that we can uh, partner more with you and, and just enter kind of more into your ministry and what you do for the homeless?
1: Oh, d- definitely, and uh, thank you for this, for, that the, for your willingness to fix our to- uh, restroom, a uh, toilet, uh, our guys would really appreciate. Uh, you mentioned earlier that where I get my energy. I get my energy from God through the prayers of the church's believers i have very uh, close to 200 people who are praying for me wow they are on my mailing list and without the prayer of those faithful prayer friends i wouldn't be able to do what i do so if you want to be a part of what we do what i do what my wife and i do just uh be on our uh, partner up with uh, in your pr- uh, with, partner up with us through prayers and all this, so we can uh, update you uh, monthly. And secondly, you can just come and visit me. Hmm. We can go out for lunch. Of course, you're going to pay. <coughs> I'm, not, I'm a poor missionary, okay? You will pay. <laughs> That's for sure, okay? Uh, we can go out, and we can just get to know each other, and I'll give you a tour, okay? And you'll be, um, you'll be surprised what God is going to show you when you just come and visit that's how we start. So I, I would like you guys to invite you to visit us. Uh, weekend, Saturday is a big day for us. We have a lot of volunteers coming here, food washing. Come and wash the feet of the homeless people. Wow. Wow. That's what Jesus did, right? Yeah, that's true. Let's do it. We do that. That's the highlight of our ministry. Secondly, I travel to India every year. I'm living on this coming April again. I'm going to take two of my two pastors this time, come and see what we do. We have an AIDS ministry. We have a uh, school. In, we started AIDS ministry uh, in 2006, me and, uh, me and my wife, protecting the children, and send our team to 300 villages. And once we identified pregnant women, we bring them to our clinic. We have a Christian doctor who is partnering with us. And once we know that mom has AIDS, then what we do is we protect the baby. Now, since 2006, we have protected, we have saved 170 kids Mm, mm. from an infecting AIDS. 170, just imagine. If we did not do involved in that ministry, 170 kids will have AIDS Mm. because all their mom has AIDS. So travel with me. Just come and see. You will find yourself there.
0: Okay, with that, I'm going to close at least our message time in prayer, and then we're going to have communion. So let me just pray for um, our church and our time. Father, I, I thank you for the amazing first model of Jesus Christ, who was actually the very first primary missionary, who went from the highest place, which is heaven, and, and came down and became a human being. And if that wasn't enough, he died a criminal's death on the cross. He went from the highest place to the lowest place because he loved us. He was on a rescue mission. He cared for us deeply. And I thank you for that amazing model of Jesus. And I thank you for Jonathan who follows that model and inspires us. May your inspiration of Christ and your people who do what Christ did continue to inspire us, Lord, so we can be like our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who abandoned it all to care for those who were poor and needy, to rescue us, help our lives to reflect that glory, that love, and that just amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we, we really didn't want to make this message just a message about, hey, go out there. Do it, you know? Go visit those orphans and widows they their distress. No, actually, I think we wanted to biblically frame things so that our visiting of orphans and widows, our compassion towards others, is just a reflection of what we have in Christ. And when we come to the table, we practice what Jesus did for us. He gave his body to be broken, for our sakes. And he gave his blood to be poured out for our welfare, for our rescue. And if we do anything that's compassionate, it is a response to what Jesus did for us. And so when we come to this table, we are taking the elements, we're taking the bread, we're dipping in the juice, we're digesting it, we're, we're eating it. We are practicing the Jesus who gave up everything for us. And then our lives are just the response to his sacrifice for ourselves. So as you are ready, you're welcome to come forward two lines and we exit to the sides to remember, to practice the presence of the one who gave himself for our sakes. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your table now, we practice your presence we remember the great sacrifice of Jesus who, who got everything started. And when we move out into the world, it's because we remember the one who moved from heaven to earth to rescue us and to save us. And now we celebrate his great sacrifice on our behalf. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And you guys are invited to the table um, as, as you feel led to come. Come down.